Let's go ahead and uh, find your seats. We'll open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll have some music. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day. We ask you would be with us today. We just praise you, Lord. We praise you in everything we do, everything that has life, that has breath. We give praise to you. And Lord, be with us as we worship you in song, in fellowship, and as we get into your word. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. Good morning, church family. Let's stand together and open with leaning on the everlasting arms. before I forget, so next Sunday, um, uh, the uh, church setup will be Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, and so uh, if you come here at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, um, 
there's uh, folks that are going over to the marriage retreat, and so we won't be uh, here on Saturday. And so um, we'll need some folks, some help to be here at 9 o'clock. And you know what? If we get set up, um, I think it's a good time for an impromptu uh, prayer meeting on Sunday morning. And so if you can make it, please show up at 9 o'clock next Sunday so we can get the church set up. And we'll have a prayer after that. Um, March 7th and 8th, at Indian Bible College recruiting and fundraising events coming up. I know some people have already volunteered already, but we need more rooms uh, for the uh, students and the staff. I think there's seven to ten folks uh, to provide a place for them to spend the night on Thursday night, uh, March 7th. And so they'll be up here on a recruiting and fundraiser event. It's going to be at Pablo Christian Church. Uh, and I think I um, gave a flyer out last week. Uh, if you can attend that, that'd be great. Um, also, just let me know. I, I need to get a number to the Indian Bible College down in Arizona for the missions trip coming up. And uh, just talking to Katie, if you can only come down for a week, that's okay. I mean, you don't have to stay for the full two weeks. But if you can only stay for a week, make sure it's the latter weeks just so you can get the Canyon, uh, the, the uh, Grand Canyon tour. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, let's see here. Any other uh, events or announcements that I'm missing? I know there was a birthday that I found out about this week. Uh, our, our sister Paula over there had a birthday. She, she's uh, 39 again. So... <laughs> All right, well, let's see any other birthdays that, uh, that we're missing. All right, let's sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Paula, 39th birthday. Happy birthday to you. All right. Thank you. All right, uh, with that, I think we'll... Uh, actually, no, actually I have one more. Uh, um, we're looking for a new prayer partner for the Indian Bible College. We're talking all about the Indian Bible College. Uh, so looking for a new prayer partner for the Indian Bible College and Charles Lutz. So this church supports uh, Charles Lutz and the ministry there at Indian Bible College. Charles is from Big Arm, Montana. He's a local guy here. And so we're looking for a new prayer partner. Yes, sir. Cedar. Yes, sir. Would you like to say something? Okay. Oh, it's a dog's birthday too. Well, happy birthday to your dog. Absolutely. How about your rabbits? Not not sure on those. Oh. oh. Oh, okay. It's uh, it's September's birthday too. A lot of birthdays today. All right. Uh, so yeah, if you're interested in becoming a prayer partner for Indian Bible College and Charles Lutz, please. Um, let me know. I like to partner, uh, well, we like to partner every, uh, every missionary or church uh, that, uh, with a prayer partner. Uh, what does that mean um, if you commit to that? It just means that, that you're a prayer partner and you, and you pray for them um, whenever you go to prayer. And so if you want to do that, please let me know. And so prayer requests, um, let's go ahead and transition to that. Uh, praises and prayer requests. Um, I think everybody knows that I sent out, but um, uh, there was two ladies that uh, graduated from Hope Center on Friday, and I, uh, we got to go down 
to the church down there that, that they partner with in uh, Helena and got to go to the graduation. And I actually uh, found out that one of my um, old, old high school friends goes there too. So at, uh, um, goes to the church, and so I was able to reconnect with her. And anyways, um, what a wonderful, powerful night. If I could have bottled that up and just brought it here today, I would have loved to do that. All I could do was send you a picture and, and, and a paragraph. It's just a wonderful, wonderful time. So please pray, continue to pray for Hope Center Ministries and all the ladies that are continuing their, their journey in their, in their recovery from drugs and alcohol. Um, I like to pray because on, on the heels uh, of coming up on the marriage conference, I want to pray for marriages today. Uh, we're actually going to have a prayer meeting on Friday over there uh, for the marriages um, just in general before the conference. And so I want to pray for the marriages in general. Um, and also, along with what I just mentioned about Hope Center, pray for those in addiction. i got to tell you, the num- probably one of the number, the number two dr- uh, uh, prayer requests of all the people in jail, one is their families, two is a pray for those in addiction. Everybody that's stuck in addiction there, in jail, that's in jail, they pray for others, and they pray for themselves. I think that's huge, and so we, we need to pray for that as well. Yes, ma'am. And I also wanted to make a mention, I didn't know this before I went, that a lot of the administrators and the faculty and the counselors, I would say more than half of them have, have risen up from addiction and have gotten education and are now... Um, you know, counseling people who are in addiction, which matters to people who are in addiction. Right. To have to be with somebody who's experiencing, have experienced exactly what they're Yeah. You know, I don't know any of the staff that, that doesn't come from a, from a background of, of addiction. I really can't think of one that has it. Yeah. So, uh, wonderful testimonies, wonderful testimonies. Uh, other prayer requests, praises? Yes, Kim. Okay. Praises, prayer requests. There's one over here somewhere. Liam. Oh, Liam. Where's Liam at? Oh, there he is. Yes, for Charles Maria Rouch. And I talked with Maria yesterday, and she has one more. For those of you who don't know, she's just a monkey in uh, Zambia, and um, she's got one more, she's got, for Valentine's Day, I'm getting one more radius shot, and then she'll be done. <laughs> and that is a praise, too, that she didn't get any diseases, and uh, the latest newsletter, um, a, lot of, a lot of wonderful things going on. In their, in their extended stay, where they had, she had to stay at the hospital, they actually um, had impromptu Bible study, and uh, were able to connect with some folks. So, uh, yes, Wyatt. Yes, absolutely. That's a praise and a prayer request. Lord Jesus, come. Yes, Wyatt, your leg felt better. A lot of pe- people praying for you, brother. Super happy that that uh, healed up. Yes, Cedar. Okay. We'll pray for the pets. But but not September. I'm just kidding. That's that's a joke. <laughs> All right.
Any other praises or prayer requests? All right, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day, Lord. Lord, we come to you in uh, thanksgiving, praise and thanksgiving, Lord. We thank you for being uh, allowing us to be part of Hope Center Ministries there with the, um, drug, the uh, Christ Center Drug Recovery Center. Lord, we thank you for being uh, for allowing us to be part of the JL ministry. Uh, what a privilege those two are, Lord. We just thank you for um, allowing us to be used by you. Lord, we uh, give praise to you for Wyatt, Lord, that his uh, uh, leg uh, felt better, Lord. I just thank the church for all the prayer, Lord. Um, again, we just give all the glory to you. Lord, we also uh, we pray for the rapture, Lord, and we pray that, uh, uh, that uh, we would be found working for you, that we would be found working for the kingdom, Lord. Lord, uh, we come to you in, uh, with... Uh, Supplica- uh, prayers and supplications, Lord. We uh, we pray for the marriages, Lord, in this in this church. We pray for the marriages of all of our friends and family that uh, we know, Lord, are coming coming up on a marriage retreat, Lord. I just ask you bless the marriage retreat as well, Lord. I just, Lord, you love to attack marriages, Lord, and and so we just uh, ask for your power to overcome that, Lord. We, we uh, ask for your peace. To, to just fill every single marriage. Lord, we pray for those in addiction, Lord, that you would also uh, vanquish the enemy in that area as well. Lord, we pray for Sam uh, for healing uh, just down there in Arizona, Lord, and we don't know a lot of the details, Lord, but you do. You know everything, Lord, um, and so I just ask that you would use that situation, that your name be glorified, and that there would be healing there, Lord. Uh, we pray for uh, a praise and prayer for Charles Mia Rouch, Lord, that as she gets the last shot, that uh, that uh, nothing else would happen, Lord. We just thank you that no uh, diseases or complications came from that, Lord. Just continue to bless the ministry there in Zambia, Lord, uh, that the rouches are involved in, Lord, and that we could just be a little little tiny piece of that, Lord. We just we're so thankful for them, Lord, and just continue your ministry and your work there in Zambia, Lord. Well, we pray for uh, just you know the little things, Lord. It's, it seems. You know, sometimes we look at the little things, Lord, and we dismiss them, Lord. But sometimes, uh, sometimes pets in our life they bring us um, some happiness, and so I pray that uh, um, that Your will be done in those areas. And also, just thank You for the comfort, Lord. Lord, we just uh, so many prayer requests and praises that we could uh, spend hours on, Lord. I just ask You would um, that You would be with them, You would answer them um, how You deem fit, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this morning we're gonna we we introduced a new song to you at the end of the last service last week. We're gonna sing that again this morning. Um, but first, I want us to read together Isaiah 12. Um, the Lord wants us to have joy in our salvation. And most of all, he wants us to share our salvation. And uh, these six verses in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 12, spell that out very good. So let's stand together. There's six verses. I'll read verse one. You read verse two, and so on. And in that day, thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the out of the wells of salvation. 
And in that day shall you say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is also. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. The Lord is in our midst. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together. Grace of God has reached for me and pulled me from the raging sea. And I am safe on the solid ground. The Lord is my salvation. I will not fear when darkness falls. His strength will help me scale these walls. I'll see the dawn of the rising sun. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like the Lord of Strong to save faithful in love. My debt is paid and the victory won. The Lord is my salvation. My hope is hidden in the Lord. Clouds each promise of his word. When winter fades, I know spring will come. The Lord is my salvation. In times of waiting, times of need. When I know loss, when I am weak. I know His grace will renew these days. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like the Lord our God, strong to the final day He will not leave me in the grave But I will rise He will call me home The Lord is my salvation Who is like the Lord our God to say faithful in love 
so much for your presence. Thank you for being in our midst this morning. Thank you for living in our hearts once we know you. We know that you are always with us. We thank you for the grace you extend to us. We thank you for your daily provisions. And Lord, we just thank you that we can gather together here as one voice and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Your embrace, 
Marvelous mystery. 
theme today is praise. Before, uh, or as the worship team finds their seats, the kids come up. I want to read a uh, Bible verse to you that was just landed on my on my heart today. Um, psalm 150, short little psalm. It's the last psalm. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise Him and stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. That's definitely the, the theme this morning. Well, let's go ahead and we'll pray over the, uh, the Sunday school. All right. Let's pray, hon. We're going to pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the children in our church, Lord. We just look to them, Lord, that we should uh, just come to your word as a, uh, just with an open heart, Lord, and to listen and to learn and to apply. Lord, be with the children, be with the Sunday school teachers, Lord, and be with us, all the adults with, with the hard heads that uh, need some hammering, Lord, that we would also come to you, come to the kingdom as a, as a child and just learn. In Jesus' name I do pray, amen. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we're going to attempt to finish last week's uh, service. Like I said, I foolishly thought I could fit in, fit all that in. And of course, I knew I should have known better. But anyways, <laughs> we're in 1 Corinthians 10. We're learning about Christian liberty and what that looks like. Uh, we're going to probably uh, go through 12, but as we're going through this chapter, we're really covering the whole, the, uh, or the end of the verses there, 12, we're really covering the whole chapter because so many answers, there's, there's the sin, there's the warning, and there's the punishment all throughout the uh, chapter. The, the, there's also some some admonishments, and some consolations. And so by way of review, uh, we'll start here. In the past uh, weeks here, we've been learning about our liberty in Christ and how we are to exercise it. Again, we're supposed to love one another and love God. Today we're continuing the illustration portion of this passage. And then after today, we'll get into the application of it in our lives, uh, uh, specifically uh, in the letter here, uh, the, the rest of chapter 10 and all of uh, chapter 11. Uh, so today we're looking at the, la, the, the la, three of the four, the last three of the four warnings. We did the first warning last uh, Sunday uh, of the Israel, looking at the nation of Israel coming out of Egypt uh, and all the blessings they had, and yet they were, they were disqualified. The whole nation was disqualified. All uh, um, all but two of that generation. And we'll be working on this all the way through uh, verse 13. We are supposed to, again, consider one another's weaknesses when we're exercising our Christian liberty. We're not supposed to be provoking one another. If you read in your uh, uh, sermon uh, or your bulletin um, insert, you know, we're, we're really, we're supposed to be considerate of the weaker brother and sister. If you see, see the back here, 
uh, there's, there's some questions are there, some, some statements. Am I the weaker brother or sister? There's a list there. That's not um, all-inclusive, but I think it's more important how do we treat the weaker brother and sister? We receive them and help carry them with love, gentleness, forgiveness, patience, loving kindness. We don't take advantage of their weakness. We teach and lead them gently, not giving them a lot of responsibility. We reserve our liberty not to offend them or provoke them. We pray for their growth, their patience, and their love to mature in the Word of God and the law of Christ. That's how we're supposed to treat. It's so easy to get frustrated. It is, folks. It's so easy to get frustrated. But that's not what we're called to do. Exercise love and caring. And so we're learning about the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? That's the law of love. Loving one another. It's that self-sacrificial love. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you want to fulfill the law of Christ, the law of love, bear one each other's burdens. Simply stated, our freedom in Christ is guided by our love for God, our love for our brothers and sisters, and our love to see lost people saved. Again, today we're continuing the examples that, that we have in the Bible for us. So we turn here now to the history of the Old Testament people, the nation of Israel. Remember the, uh, in uh, Genesis, the, uh, uh, the nation of Israel, they, they went in as a family, and they came out a nation. 400 years, God prospered them. They had, they had the best area um, of, of uh, Egypt in the, in the peninsula there, there along the river. The history of the nation of Israel, it demonstrates that the enjoyment of high privilege does not guarantee final blessing. What are you talking about, Jeremy? I go to church every, every Sunday. Certainly I'm allowed to go. Well, do you have a salvation in Jesus Christ? Well, no, I don't, but, but I hang out with those people. That's not good enough, folks. Privilege does not guarantee final blessing. Despite the incredible blessing and privileges that the nation had, the Shekinah glory, the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, the manna, the quail, water from the rock. And we talked about the, uh, last week the, the Nikes the, uh, that never fell apart. They had shoes that didn't fall apart. Even though they were disqualified, God took care of them. They're still His children. But they blew it due to their unbelief. They lacked faith in God for their lives. They disqualified themselves for service, and God took them out. They exercise their high privilege of God's people and all the freedom and blessings that come from that privilege. To our uh, passage today, I'm, I'm going to review. Uh, the, we'll go through the first or the first section like I did last week, and then we'll go to morning number two. So turn your Bibles, please. First Corinthians 10, verse one. 10, verse one, and we'll start there. Moreover, brethren, remember this whole passage is in light of chapter nine, where uh, Paul says. You have, don't become disqualified. We read in Philippians, lean toward the, the, uh, the uh, prize. Lean forward to the, to the prize. That's yours. It says here, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, the whole nation, whether they believed in Yahweh or not, they were part of the nation. They were, uh, they were able to partake of its blessings. 
They were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. We're not talking about water baptism here. We're, we're talking about that identification with God, which is what baptism is. Baptism doesn't save you. It says, hey, I'm with Jesus. And so here Paul's reference, he links the past to the present as far as the Corinthian church. And we can do the same from the Corinthian church to today. He projects the meaning of the Holy Spirit and the baptism into Christ. Verse two, uh, 3, And did all eat the same spiritual meat? It's the physical and spiritual provision and sustenance from God. Again, the same with the nation, the same with the church. When you come to church, you're going to be getting the Word of God. You're going to be a partaker of the worship service. You're going to be a partaker of the, uh, if you have children, of the, of the Sunday school. You're going to be blessed with all of that. Verse 4, And did all drink of that same spiritual drink? Again, it's that spiritual, but also the, the, the nourishment, the thirst quenching from God. It, God quenches your thirst in so many ways. Again, the same comparison, the nation, the church. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now that could be a whole sermon ser series there. That rock was Christ. What do you mean? Jesus was with them in the, in the desert there? No, he hadn't uh, come yet uh, um, incarnate. But Jesus is the, he, he's the doer of God's Word. Uh, and so we look at the two nations here, but there's two types of people in the nation. There's two types of people in the, in the Corinthian church. And there's two types of people in churches today. In Israel, there are two types. Number one, those who have true faith in God. And those, number two, who by association simply had an outward relationship to the people of the covenant. They weren't really in, the co um, uh, in. They, they were just around it. It's the same as the church of Corinth and of today. It is one thing to proclaim to be a Christian. It is one thing even to, to participate in the ordinances of Christianity, to have been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, to take part in the Supper of the Lord, to receive the consecrated elements that speak of the precious body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ given up to death for us. It is one thing to associate outwardly with the people of God and to seem to have fellowship and communion with them. But it is another thing to prove genuine, uh, to, to, to prove genuine by going on with God, by living for God, and by bearing a faithful testimony right on to the end. That's a, that's a quote from uh, uh, Ironside's First Corinthians commentary. A faithful testimony. It's another thing, folks. It's another thing. Verse 5, But with many of them, God was not well pleased. That whole generation, God was not well, well pleased. Only Caleb and Joshua made it. Isn't that the, uh, the understatement of the year? And some of them, with many of them, God was not well pleased. Even Moses, he didn't make it either. He was able to see the promised land before he died. But he wasn't allowed to, to go in. And continuing on here, verse 5, For they were overthrown in the wilderness. We learned last week what the word overthrown. 
one million corpses disqualified uh, all over the desert, laying around, stinking up the place. Why was God not pleased with them? Because they abused their freedom given to them when they left Egypt. They abused their rights and privileges as God's children. They, learned, they longed to return to the Egyptian ways and the idols. They were flush with food. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to pray for it. It was just there. And you know, a lot of, of the Israeli people, they, they stayed in, 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 uh, in Egypt. They did, not all the Israeli people, not all the family left. He's like, you know what? We're good, Moses. We're going to stay right here. Because they had it really good there. Seemingly so. But they still perished because of their unbelief. Verse 6, Now these things were examples or types or illustrations for us to the intent that we should not lust after evil things also uh, as they also lusted. What evil things? We're, we talked about co- we're going to talk about coveting, engaging in idolatry, committing sexual immorality, testing the Lord, grumbling and complaining. This is more of just a history lesson here. It is the, what the Corinthians were going through. It is a reflection of them, and it should be a reflection of us to take warning as an example. Verse 11, Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition. They're written for us today to learn. I love the Old Testament. It's the, it's the picture page of all the doctrines that you read about in the New Testament. And yet, you have some wonderful stories in the New Testament, but the Old Testament is just filled of things. Stories. Wonderful stories. Tragic stories. For our learning and for our admonition. Upon whom... Who? The ends of the world are come. That's us, folks. We are the ends of the world are come, aged people. We are an end times church. Everything after Christ's ascension is an end times church. Verse 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Again, we need to avoid misplaced self-reliance and inordinate, inordinate pride. Last week we went to uh, warning number one in 1 Corinthians 10.7. It says, Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We learned about it when Moses brought down the Ten Commandments and people were bowing down to a false god. They, they had a golden calf and they actually named it Jehovah, Yahweh. What a horrible insult to God. We learned about, about the punishment of what happened to him. We learned about the sin in Corinth church, and we learned about that same sin today. It's the, it, it's the I know but people, or, um, or the IKBs. I, I know, but I'm going to do it this way because I think I'm okay doing that. Setting up your own rules for worship. Saying, you know what, I, I don't need to go to church because the outdoors is my church. Oh, it's so wonderful. Oh, when I hear the leaves blowing, I hear God speaking to me. When, when I hear the elk bugling, oh, it's just soothing to my, to my soul. It, it is a really neat thing to hear the elk bugle, by the way. <laughs> but it's not God. It's God's creation, but it's not God speaking to me. And so we, we, we learned about that. We, we talked about that. 
But now we go to warning number two. 1 Corinthians 10, 8. Warning number two. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. 23,000 people died in one day. Say, well, Jeremy, we don't have any problem with fornication. I would argue that we do. Today, currently, uh, in a recent survey, 64% of Christian men report the, that they view pornographic content, content at least once a month. And would you believe in that same study that 50% of pastors and 64% of youth pastors have admitted that they struggle with pornographic content? Those are horrible stats, folks. We're not, it's very similar to the secular world. What's going wrong here? Why is there such a problem with that? And that's why we're going to, we're, uh, God put it in his, good, in, his, in his truth here, to learn about. Let us not commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day, three and 20,000. What's that word, fornication? It, it's, uh, the, Greek word, the Greek word is pornea, to act the harlot, or to indulge in a lawful lust or sex of either sex, or figuratively practice idolatry to commit fornication. That's what the Israelites were guilty of. That's what the Corinthians were doing. And that's what happens in the church today. The example used here comes out of Numbers 25, 1 through 3. So the Israelites who are here, at the, the Israelites in the wilderness. Verse 1 of Numbers 25. Uh, and Israel abode in Shittah, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they, number one, called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods. And number two, the people did eat meat sacrificed to idols and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, the Moabitish deity, with immortal sexual rights, or immoral sexual rights. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. That's when you had, you had the story of the, talk, the uh, talking donkey. They couldn't get Israel to commit any sin. And so you know what they did? They, they sent in all of their young maidens into the country. And the Israelite men married into paganism, made, uh, married into uh, uh, serving Baal rather than God. That was their sin. And with that, that the, the Moabitish uh, deity came those, those immoral sexual rights. Whenever there's, uh, there's false doctrine today, false churches, you see horrible, awful sexual immorality. It just goes, goes like this. I tell you folks, when I was a chaplain, uh, um, I was interning uh, for my for my for seminary, and I was doing a ride along with one of the Cowspell uh, PD cops, and he had come out. He was a um, he was a bastard child of uh, one of the um, higher muckety ups up up down at the temple down in uh, down in Salt Lake, and he was telling me they have a whole agency within the church for all these illicit children that are that are being born within within the 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 false church. They have a whole agency for that. And he told me, told me that story. And absolutely, every child is, is a gift from God. It's normal for them to just do that. 
it's so normal for them that, that they have their own in, uh, internal adoption agency within the Mormon church. You see that in every false religion, folks. We saw it. You see it here in Israel. So what was their punishment then? Numbers 25, 7-9. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal Peor. And if you read the whole story, God essentially wanted to take out every single person in the, in the nation. And Moses uh, and, and the, uh, and the uh, priests here worked quickly to, to take care of their problem before everybody was wiped out. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined un unto Baal Peor. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And those that died in that day in the, in the plague were 20 and 4,000 people. So the whole, in numbers, you have uh, just from the first day and then the people that, that kind of were like the, the uh, dying wounded uh, that uh, died a couple of days afterwards. But in one day, 23,000 people were taken out. And so that was, that was, that was their punishment. So what was this example for, for the church of Corinth? Well, in 1 Corinthians 5.1, it says, It is reportedly common that, in, that there is fornication among you. Fornication was a problem with the Corinthian church. And such fornication that is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. Amongst all of that other sexual uh, um, immorality, they, they were marrying each other, uh, uh, their, their father's uh, divorced wives, which is totally, I, I mean, it's incest in that, in that uh, sense. But, uh, 1 Corinthians 8.8 8, But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we better, neither if we not eat are, are we the worse. And so they're, 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 they're second-guessing this. Hey, it's okay if we do this. We got this, God. We know. I know, but blah, blah, blah. I can do this. It's okay. In their prideful knowledge that the Corinthians are justifying the eating of meat sacrificed to false idols amidst sexual immorality. And the false idol worshipers, the false idols are not nothing. They are demons straight from the pit of hell. And uh, tempting the Corinthians into sexual sin. Verse 5 affirms that the church of Corinth was struggling with sexual sin and calling it out. And so we, we use the example of the men's breakfast last, um, last week. Say, you know what, it's okay if I go to the... Uh, they have a really good meal. They, they have like a bonus, uh, a discount breakfast at, at the strip club. Hey, I'm not, I'm not looking at any of that. I'm just eating breakfast there. And there's false I, um, idol worship going on over Hey, I'm not looking at any of that. It's okay for me. I have freedom to go eat at that place. I, I know, Pastor, I, that won't bother me. You get too close there, and it starts to bleed over. And before you know it, you're steeped in it. And if, you, and if you are strong enough to resist all that, what about the weaker brother? What are they thinking about you? See, Pastor, today, I saw his truck in the, in the parking lot of the strip club. 
Oh, he said he was just eating lunch there. Oh, he was meeting somebody to talk to them at the strip club. Strong answer, folks. So the warning here, what's the warning? 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without, the bo- or is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. You're sinning against yourself. Besides God, you're defiling your body, defiling your witness. 1 Corinthians 10, 18-21 has continuation of the warning. Behold, Israel, after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say, Paul says, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. False gods are just not nothing uh, false anything. Those are demons that, are, uh, that have put these false doctrines into place to trip you up, to get you away from God. It's just not a false thing. <clears throat> Continuing on here, and I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Paul says, I don't want you to hang out you know, with the devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devils. You cannot be partaker of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. The punishment continued here for the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians 8, 7 and 9 through 11. How be it then, or how be it there is not in every man that knowledge for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour, eat it as they offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. And so if you, do, if you are a strong Christian and the weak brother or sister is seeing that, you are helping their furthering of defiling of their, of their spirit, of, the, of their soul, of their body. You say, hey, you know what? Well, Jeremy was in the strip club talking to somebody. I guess that means that, that we can just go. Verse 9, But take heed, lest by any means that liberty of yours, becoming a stumbling block to them that are weak. You become a stumbling block if you're causing weaker people, weaker Christians to stumble. That's another punishment. Verse 10, For if any man see that uh, see which has knowledge sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols, and then uh, following participate in the sexual immorality and the worship of false gods? Playing with fire. You are playing with fire, folks, when you do that. Verse 11, And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish, for whom Christ died causing other people to stumble. That's our punishment. The Corinthians were flirting with disaster. The Greek-Roman culture of the day involved reveling in drunken sexual immorality and orgies in the pagan temples while partaking in the eating of meat sacrificed to idols. Like, well, couldn't they just take it home and put it in their refrigerator? No, they didn't have any cold storage. And so what would happen is they'd slaughter the animal and you ate it right there. You had to eat it right there because, I mean, the meat would go bad, bad within an hour or two. So you had to go to the temple. You had to go where all that you know, was taking place. If you wanted to eat some meat, that's where you had to do it. And so the Corinthians, again, they're saying, we know that, we like steak, we're going to go do that. And Paul is saying, you can't do that, folks. You can't allow yourself to be in those environments. 
It's going to ruin your witness. It's going to ruin your brother, your brother's sister's witness. And so what does that mean for the church today? The sin, sexual sins of, the, of or the enabling of or the acceptance by silence of sexual sins. What's the warning? Matthew 5, 27, 28. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. If you're, if you're thinking about it, and you let that temptation go to lust, you might as well have committed adultery with her already. The same with murder. In that same passage, if you've thought about it, you were tempted by it, and you thought about it, and you're, you're ruminating on it, you've already killed, killed that person. Romans 13, 14, But, put, but uh, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Paul is telling us in there in Romans, stay away from it. Don't get entangled with that. Don't be, put yourself in a situation where that could be a problem to you or to somebody else. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-5 For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, that's the lust for the flesh, or a lust for sex, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. Again, another warning. Don't go there, folks. 2 Timothy 2.22 Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So what's the punishment then for today? The Lord will discipline and you will stand to lose your rewards in heaven. For those who are committing sexual sin or tolerating sexual uh, immorality... It also establishes intimacy with evil and sin. If you're cheating on your wife or you're having sex outside of marriage, you are joined to that person and you have become one flesh. You're defiling yourself. 1 Corinthians 6.16 says, What? Know ye not that which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. It robs God's glory in you to participate in that. It desecrates God's temple. You are the temple for the Holy Spirit. It desecrates your body. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, continuing on here with, with the punishment here. For ye have brought with, for you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Ephesians 5, 5. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ, and of God. 1 Corinthians 3.15 If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Again, folks, we're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about rewards. We're talking about your, your inheritance in heaven, about, about your crowns. How many people can you lead to Christ if you're living in a life filled with uh, sexual immorality? How many people, you're not going to have the crown of uh, rejoicing. I'm telling you that. People can see like, look at Jeremy. Yeah, it's, no. I don't want any part of that, that religion. But that doesn't look like any fun at all. So that's warning number two. Warning number three. 
Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. To tempt means to test or prove, to demand God prove his character and power. What's the sin here of the, of the nation? Numbers 21, 4 through 5. And they, and they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. They got sick of the manna. They, they're like, you know what? Thanks for all, for all the free manna. We don't like it. We want something else. We want some spice in our life. The people of Israel complained against God for their empty bellies. They questioned God's ability to provide for them. They implied to God that they had it better in Egypt, and they tested God to bring them food and drink like they were seemingly able to do for themselves in Egypt. It's like, hey man, we had it good. We had all these fruits and vegetables, and now you're just giving us simple bread and quail? We want all those nice things. We want hibachi grill, God. Exodus 34, 14. For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Only one person can say that and have it not be a sin, and that's God, because he is almighty, and he made you. He loves you. You're his creation. What's the punishment there? Number one, uh, numbers uh, 21, 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. So the church of Corinth, what's the correlation there? What was their sin? 1 Corinthians 10.22, Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? Can you provide more for yourself than God can? God is jealous for His loyalty of His people. God will not tolerate worship of anyone or anything else. We sin and we test God and think that we can do better or alter His rules for worship. I know God, I know it says here in the Bible that we're supposed to do this, but I have a really good idea. I think we're supposed to do that, and that's what I'm going to do because I know, I know. What's the warning here for the Corinthians? First uh, Corinthians 8.2 and if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing. Yet, as he ought to know, you will fall. You will fall. That's the warning. 1 Corinthians 10, 12-13, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. The moment you think that you know it all is the moment that you will fall. And continuing uh, in Exodus uh, I'm sorry, for, for the, church, or the church in Corinth. What's the punishment then? 1 Corinthians 8.11 And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish, for whom Christ died. Again, we're causing other people to stumble. 1 Corinthians 10.23 All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Testing the limits of your Christian liberty with God will lead to weak brother's suffering. Testing God is not expedient, nor does it edify. It brings shame to you, to your brother, and to the church. All of this is deemed sin in the eyes of God. What about for the church? Lying and tempting God. I really wanted to read you the whole story of Ananias and Sapphira, but I'm going I'm to shorten it here. 
So Amos and Sapphira, they, they, they sold some property. They, um, um, they were saved. They had the Holy Spirit in them. They sold some property, and they wanted to give it to the church, but they withheld some back for themselves. They got greedy, and they tested God, and they lied to God. They lied to the Holy Ghost. They lied to the people around them. They tempted the Spirit of the Lord. You know what happened to them? They got taken out. They went to heaven. As it says in here, and gave up the ghost. They went to heaven. They just lost on their rewards. They were disqualified. And God took them home. So the warning... Hebrews 3.12, Take heed, brethren, lest, ye, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through deceitfulness of sin. Testing God results in an evil heart. It results in tempting God, uh, hardening your heart. You say, you mean God hardens heart? Yep, he does. Um, look at Pharaoh. It says God hardened his heart. Complaining about God and questioning him leads to deceitfulness. What's the punishment? We read uh, in 1 Corinthians 9. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. If you're testing God or tempting God or lying on God, you are disqualifying yourself. There is, however, one, one exception to that. Malachi 3.10. Um, turn your Bibles with me there. If it's, is it on the screen there? Malachi 3.10. One exception to, to testing God, and he, he gives you permission in this one area. And this area is about money. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord host, if I will not open you uh, the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall be not room enough to receive it. Folks, God doesn't need your money. He's rich beyond measure. But you know what? Money is a good tool for God. It's like time, resources. It's a good way that God uses it's a tool that God uses for us to ask the simple question, do you trust me? Do you love me? That's all that is. The last warning here, I'll make it short. 1 Corinthians 10.10 Neither murmur ye, as some of the um, also murmured, and were destroyed by the destroyer. To murmur means to grumble, to complain, to speak against, to confer secretly against, to discontently com complain. First of all, I want to talk about the destroyer. Who is the destroyer? The angel of Jehovah. In many verses of the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord speaks as God, identifies himself with God, and exercises the responsibilities of God. This is no ordinary angel, folks. The angel of the Lord is a, a, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Son, God in physical form, who is revealed to us in the Gospels of the New Testament as Jesus Christ. The messenger of, of, uh, of Jehovah, you read in Malachi 3.1, he is the messenger of the covenant. 
John 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, that's from the very beginning. Jesus is the Word. The angel of judgment for Jehovah. John 9, 39 says that Jesus, and Jesus said, For judgment I am coming to the world. Revelation 19.2, For true and righteous are his judgments, for he that judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her Lord. Jesus is the judge. He is God's judge. So he is a destroyer in this, in this verse. You'll find the sin of the Israelites in number 16. I'm going to summarize it here. They, 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 grum, they were grumbling and complaining against God, and they were selfish that Moses, they thought Moses was grandstanding and, and putting himself above them. He, Moses accused these men of growing against the Lord, and they're grumbling and complaining. What was their punishment? The next day, they all gathered at the tabernacle, and God, God told Moses and Aaron, step aside from the grumblers and all their uh, families. So all the grumblers, all the uh, families of the grumblers, were there. And guess what? God caused a hole in the ground and consumed them and all the complainers and their families in a pit. The grumblers and complainers not swallowed by the hole were consumed with fire that same day, resulting in 250 men being killed that day. After the 250 men were killed, a great congregation of Israelites complained. So they complained about that. The Lord began consuming the great congregation. 14,700 people, Israelites, were killed in God's plague before Moses was able to atone for the rest of the congregation. Why? Because they were murmuring. They were complaining. If you read in number 17, there's a, a, I'm going to summarize there. The, the Israelites finally got it right. It's like, you know what? It's not good to complain and murmur against God because they saw that happen. What, what was that uh, meant for the church? That this whole letter, remember, Paul is responding to a letter that they wrote. Hey, Paul, what about this? What about that? Read that in 1 Corinthians 7 1. Now concerning the things wherefore ye wrote unto me. So the church of Corinth, they wrote a letter to Paul to assert their rights and their liberties. There was selfish grumbling, there was murmuring, complaining going on with the church members of Corinth. It says, What about me and mine? Are you really an apostle, Paul? Do we have to actually listen to you? Why can't we eat meat sacrificed to idols? Where are you and God challenging our knowledge? We know. Why can't we marry our, our father's divorced wife? Why can't I have lunch at the local strip club or at the um, JW uh, Kingdom Hall? What's the warning here? 1 Corinthians 10, 22-24. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? I'm sorry, that was just 22. I think it was. Yeah. So what's the punishment then? 1 Corinthians 11, 28-29. We're leading up to the Lord's Supper here. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's Supper. For this cause, if you continue reading that, and we read this portion during the Lord's Supper, if you continue reading, though, it says, for this cause, because they weren't coming to the table with a clean heart. 
And for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. It was causing them to be weak. It was causing them to be sickness, to have, to have sicknesses and diseases. And many sleep, it says. And God took some, some of them out, took them home. The church of Corinth uh, were not examining themselves and coming to the Lord with sin in their life. As a result, people in the, church, in the Corinthian church were physically weak and sickly. God took them home to heaven. So what's that mean for the church? Again, the, discern, the sin here is to, to, to murmur, to grumble, to complain. It is a failure to be satisfied with God's will for your life. When we complain, we are affirming our disobedience to God's purpose in that moment. When we grumble, we are not thankful towards the Lord Jesus in our life. The warning here, Philippians 1.27 says it best, Only let your conversation, your character, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Do people know you as a man or a woman of the gospel? Philippians 2.14.15 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We are here, folks. We are in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Philippians 4.11, Not that I uh, speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. God has put you where you're at right now. God didn't make a mistake. You're here in Pulsar, Montana, in, in your station in life, because God put you there. He's just not allowing you just to wander and just kind of land wherever you are. God's got a purpose for you, and be content with that. We shouldn't be grudging. We should do things without wrath or doubting. So what's the punishment? Grumbling and complaining falsifies your witness for Christ. Just look at social media. Man, oh man. A lot of bad witnesses for Christ on social media. It's cause, it causes sin in your life, and possibly sin and con condemnation of the lives of others. You are causing yourself to be disqualified, and you will not be ready for the appearing of Jesus. <clears throat> Proverbs six nineteen. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. You're becoming, again, a false witness. You're contentious. You're not fun to be around. People are happy when you leave because there's no contention. Don't be that brother or sister, folks. Being discontent and selfish, one murmurs and whines, and thus uh, sins, bringing condemnation to themselves. Another product of this action, though, is division among God's people. For that is what the murmuring is that the murmur is trying to do, trying to get people to become sympathetic to their cause and oppose the prevailing point of a point of view. Division among God's people. That's division in the church. Creating sex, little cliques. Say, hey, you know what? We need, we, we need to come over here and let's talk about this person. Let's talk about that, that person and cause division. These are complainers. Complainers cause problems in church, folks. They do. Every, every time. The biggest complainers in church are usually those people who are topical Christians at, at best. They don't serve. 
And they're looking for perfection. They want to do it their way. And they take up a lot of, the, um, a lot of time, but you know what? That's what we're called to do. We're called to be patient with them. We're called to be loving with them. That's what we're called to do. Say, oh, I don't want to be patient with my brother or sister that's weak. Really? Because that's, that's what you're called to do. 1 John 2.28, we're going to close here in just a second. And now, little children, abide in him, that we, when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Are you ready for his coming? If Jesus were to come right now, where would you go? Heaven or hell? How are you going to the judgment seat of Christ with a, with a full bag? Amen, Cedar. Are you going to the judgment seat of Christ with a, with, with a full bag? Are you going there with hardly anything? Are you going to be, amen, brother. Are you going to be clothed with raiment? Or are you going to have just something barely covering you up? You're going to heaven, folks. Nothing can take that away. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't work for your salvation. You can't work to retain it. You've already got it. It's already been paid for. Again, we're talking about what are you doing with your salvation. I read that story in Numbers 21 about how uh, Moses um, had, had the, bronze, the bronze serpent on a pole. Seems a very pagan thing for, for the nation to be doing, right? Why is that story in there? Turn your Bibles with me, John, John 3. We're going to close on this. Why did Moses do that so Jesus could have this conversation with Nicodemus? This is why it happened. John, John 3, verse 12, If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that come down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, there it is, folks, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That was a story about a type, about something that was going to happen. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent his Son uh, sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Folks, we come into this world condemned. We do. That's our, um, our default position. That's on us. That's because of the original sin. God's not condemning anybody. That was our own fault. That's why he sent Jesus for us to be uncondemned, to not be condemned. And if you don't believe, you're going to stay condemned. And that's our motivation, folks, as a church. To uncondemn our family, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, the guy at the bank, the checker at the store. That's why we do what we do. Uh, we'll have the worship team come up. We kind of rushed through that last part, but um, 
A lot of good warnings there, a lot of good lessons there, and that's what the Old Testament is for us. God's given us a map of what not to do. He said, don't be like these folks. He says, I have better plans for you, to prosper you, to grow you, to mature you. And not everybody's going to be at that same, same level. Everybody's at a different level of maturity. And that's why we're called to be patient with them, to be loving with them, to grow them, to teach them. Folks, it's my church, at, or my job as a pastor in, in this church to, to equip you. I want you to be informed. I want you to know how to serve the Lord, to do it right, to do it honoring. It's my hope that everybody listens to my voice and comes to this church and listens to the uh, sermon that they got a full bag ready to throw at the feet of Jesus Christ. That would bring me a ton of joy. But we'll still have, have joy in heaven, because we'll all be there if you're saved. But if you're not saved today, make today your day of salvation. Let's go ahead and close this on. the Lord, my hope is found, He is my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm with the fiercest drought and storm, what heights of Stands in victory. 
church knew that Jesus Christ was coming back, let's say, in two weeks. What would we do as a church? I mean, yeah, sleep. <laughs> but, you know, what would, we, what would we do? Just think about that. Yeah, amen. And what would we do? I think, I think we'd all uh, get, uh, get really busy doing whatever God's called us to do. But you know what? That's how God wants us to live every day. Now as if he were coming back tomorrow. What if you're not saved? If the Lord would come back in, in, in a couple days or a couple of weeks, how would you live your life? Would you start reading this and say, you know what, maybe there's, maybe there's something to this Savior that's died on the cross for all my sins. I mean, really, I, there, there's an argument in... Um, in apologetics, like, you know what, if Christianity is false and you believe in it, then you've lost nothing. You've lost nothing. But if Christianity is true and you don't believe, you've lost everything. Everything. And so I don't want anybody to have to go to hell and have to go through that. I don't, and God doesn't want to either. That's why he provided a way out, a gift. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this rich uh, chapter, Lord, talking about your, your people that you chose, Lord, not because they were special, but because you said that they were your people, Lord. Lord, this, this letter is hard to hear sometimes. There's a lot of, um, of admonitions and a lot of don't do this and... And Lord, we just, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that you've given us a guide, your word on what not to do, Lord. And Lord, uh, there's absolutely uh, wonderful passages and wonderful books of, of, of your love. But Lord, we see in Jesus in every, in every uh, verse, Lord, we see him. We see that love. We see that sacrifice. And so, Lord, we want to live for you. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, he wants to know you. He knows all about you, but he wants you uh, to know you as one of his own, as his one of his children, being redeemed, having access to all of his bountiful love and hope and riches and blessings. Lord, I just thank you for all the uh, servant leaders in our church, Lord. Thank you for the Sunday school teachers and the worship team and the audio and the video team, Lord. And those people who faithfully give, Lord, uh, day in, day out, those people who uh, make it a priority to come to church, 